going to read uh, Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, the fourth commandment, um, and then we're going to turn on to chapter 31 uh, and read the last part of chapter 31. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath, because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Super, thanks so much both of you for reading. Um, this morning was our harvest um, service, and... Um, we were thinking about uh, thanksgiving to God for all the good things he gives us. Um, a friend of mine, um, a childhood friend of mine, we grew up together in West Cornwall and he's now a, a farmer uh, on the hills uh, of Mounts Bay. And uh, every year, about his only activity on Facebook as far as I can see, is that each year he posts a few photos of him uh, harvesting his crops. A couple of years ago, he posted this, which I thought was fantastic. You can see Mounts, um, Mounts Bay and St. Michael's Mount um, just in the background there. Um, harvest is the farmer's busiest time of the year. Um, but when the harvest is in, the farmer stops and rests and hopefully give th gives thanks to God. We give thanks at harvest because God is the one who provides for us. In other religions in the ancient world, and other religions still today, actually uh, people can work hard to make their offerings to their gods um, so that the god can enjoy leisure. But in Christianity, it's the other way around, isn't it? Our generous god gives abundantly to his people so that we can enjoy his rest. The Old Testament people of God had work and rest hardwired into every week of their lives. The fourth commandment, um, which we've just read, says, uh, verse 8, remember, we're in Exodus 20 again, where we started, page 78, um, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The Bible tells us very little about what you should do on the Sabbath, 
but it's super clear about what you shouldn't do. You don't work. Verse 10 continues with a, I think, symbolically significant list of seven groups that should not work on the Sabbath. Imagine the impact of the whole Israelite uh, society and economy just shutting down one day in seven. I think you can still see that in, um, in modern Israel today. We saw in the second reading that they had to stop work on the seventh day on pain of death. It was that important. So let's look at the reasons given for this Sabbath pattern of six days work and one day rest. And then we'll think about what it means for us as New Testament um, people of God. So the basic thrust of the Sabbath command in the law of Moses is this. Our rest is in God. We must stop work. Why? Well, first, because God stopped work. Exodus 20. Um, and did you see in verse 11, the word for uh, gives us the reason. Because in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. We saw a couple of weeks ago that we are made in the image and likeness of God. He gave us the job of continuing his work of ordering and filling the creation that he had made. But just like him, we need to stop work, as the commandment tells us, one day in seven. If people carried on in their work, I guess they would be suggesting that their work was more important than God's. No, just as God stopped work on the seventh day, so Israel were to do the same. We stop work because we're like God. But the second and third reasons given for the Sabbath commands are because of ways in which we're also unlike God. So in some ways we're like God, we stop work like he did, but we're also unlike God, we stop work seconds because God makes us holy. So just turn on to that second reading, Exodus 31. Page 90. And you can see there in verse 17 um, that... Uh, <coughs> Uh, this will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So it's a sign of what we've already seen, but it's a sign of something else as well. Did you notice as we read, back up in verse 12, then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. A sign that I am the Lord who makes you holy. They stop work as a sign that they can't make themselves holy by their own hard work. Often our hard work is because we're trying to justify ourselves, to prove our value to God and to the world and to ourselves. And the Sabbath says, no, God is the one who makes you holy. You cannot achieve it by your own efforts. So stop work and rely on him. 
And the third reason for keeping the Sabbath was similar. It comes in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Remember Deuteronomy, Deuteronomos, um, second law. Um, it's when Moses um, went back over the law to the, uh, to the second generation um, at the end of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And uh, he gives the Ten Commandments again uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And there's a change when the uh, Ten Commandments are given the second time round. Uh, there's a different reason given for the fourth commandment. This time round, we're told Deuteronomy 5 verse 15. Hi, Carol. Come and join us. I expect you're delayed on the bus. Yeah. Deuteronomy 5 verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God rescued from slavery. The Israelites keep the Sabbath because they're like God. They stop work because he stopped work, but they also keep the Sabbath because they're unlike God. They stop work because he's the one who makes us holy. He's the one who saves us from slavery. They stop work to remind themselves and assign to the watching world that they can't save themselves. Now in this first bit, I've tried to refer as much as possible to the Israelites um, rather than us today, because actually the fourth commandment is the only one of the ten that's not explicitly repeated in the New Testament. Um, now some Christians will say, well, we just assume that the Ten Commandments all apply to us today and therefore, of course, we need to keep one day holy out of seven. Either Saturday, like the Jews um, and the Seventh-day Adventists would say Saturday is still the Sabbath, um, or Sunday, um, the day of the Lord's of resurrection, which is what Christians traditionally have done, keeping the Sunday as a Sabbath. Others would say, no, 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 we're not under the law of Moses today. We're saved by grace and not by law. And therefore, um, they pretty much ignore the Sabbath command altogether. Now, I don't think either of those things are quite right. Once we understand the purpose of the Sabbath as it was originally given, I think we can see better how it points across to the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And only then can we work out carefully how it applies to us today. Actually, it's a short step from our rest in God to our rest in Jesus. For the Israelites, the Sabbath was a weekly physical reminder that God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and made them holy so that he could live with them in their very midst. But those things were a picture, a scale model, if you like, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus today that we are rescued not just from slavery to a foreign power, Egypt, but from slavery to the prince of this present age, the enemy who holds us in the grip of sin. It's in Jesus today that our sins are wiped clean at the cross and that we are made new people as we're united with him in his resurrection. We're now called saints, God's sanctified holy people because of Jesus' work at the cross. We still sin, but when God looks at us today, he doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus' perfect holiness. 
when we understand the Sabbath command in its original purpose, we see that it's a wonderful signpost to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we come to Jesus by faith, it means we can rest now and it means we have a future rest to look forward to as well. Now we rest on Jesus spiritually. Becoming a Christian means handing over all our attempts to save ourselves, to sanctify ourselves, to satisfy ourselves, handing all of those things over to Jesus alone. I hope you've done that. It's a relief, isn't it? There's a wonderful invitation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Spiritual rest, here and now. Have you experienced that rest for your soul? Jesus does that by taking on himself our burden of guilt for all we've ever done wrong. He bears that burden when he's punished at the cross. Because Jesus died, if we've handed over our burdens to Jesus by faith, we're spiritually free. We're cleansed already. We have his holy presence with us and in us by his Holy Spirit. We don't need to prove ourselves by our work. He is the one who makes us holy and acceptable to God. The Sabbath command is a gospel sign of God's grace. No other religion or worldview offers this kind of invitation to transfer our burdens to God. He is the one who gives to us out of all generosity. So we rest spiritually now. And we look forward to resting physically in the age to come. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, we're told that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The promised land of Canaan represented Israel's place of rest and security and prosperity. Just the same, we have a physical rest still to come in our promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. A rest, not of kind of putting our feet up and being lazy, but the refreshment of constant worship of our glorious God. Our identity, our status, our future are utterly secure physically and eternally in Jesus Christ. Now all of this has two big implications, I think, in how we apply the Sabbath command today. The first is this, we need to stop works forever. Now works is the technical word the New Testament uses to describe anything that we might do to try to achieve our satisfaction, to save ourselves. Anything we might do instead of trusting the free gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot earn ultimate satisfaction through our own works. We need to stop our works 
forever. Work, in the general kind of everyday sense, that is right and good. The Bible has a lot to say about laziness, but that's for another day. But work without rest, that's idolatry. It's driven by a desire to make ourselves the saviour, or maybe to please a false god, a powerful boss over us, maybe. Now that can be done in a, in a secular work sense. Workaholism is the idolatry, the false saviour that says it's my own efforts that get me um, all I desire. Where we measure our value or our status by our achievements, by the salary we earn, by the job title, by the rewards that our money can buy. But we can slip into a saviour mentality as well in other ways. Maybe when we're caring for others, and that's what's preoccupying us, that's what's unceasing. The reward when we're caring for others isn't money or title, but still we can start to think of ourselves as indispensable. We can't possibly stop to rest. We can't hand over to someone else for a break. And I know that members of our church are doing incredible work caring for children or maybe for elderly relatives or others. And that's a wonderful expression of our God-given humanity. But there also comes a point where we have to stop and trust the providence of God. The role of saviour has been filled. And we can get this wrong in a religious sense as well. Sometimes people have been so concerned kind of rigidly to keep the Sabbath that ironically they start to trust their Sabbath keeping as if it earns them favour with God. It becomes a work in its own right. I congratulate myself for not doing a stroke of work on the Sabbath. More likely, I think, probably for us, um, and this is closest to home for me, we can make ourselves busy with doing many good things, serving the Lord, but we need to make sure that our trust is in our Saviour rather than in the many good things that we do in his name. Um, Tim Chester, in this really helpful book, The Busy Christian's Guide to Business, he goes through a number of different reasons why we might find ourselves unable to rest. And he shows the kind of false beliefs that underpin each of those things and how they're overturned in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so do have a look at that afterwards and maybe um, order a copy for yourself if you think that will be helpful. We need to stop works forever. We need to stop trying to be our own saviour, whether that's through our paid work or through other things we might, other good things that we might do that we think will earn our salvation or our satisfaction. And then to help us stop works in that kind of uh, technical New Testament sense forever, we need, I think, to stop work regularly. Just as the Israelites were to stop work one day in seven, so we need to stop work regularly. Now, Christians differ over this personally. I'm not convinced that that has to be one day in seven on a Saturday or on a Sunday. But if we find ourselves trying to argue 
that we can work more than six days a week, maybe that's a good sign that we're running into danger and haven't quite grasped the message of Sabbath. Stopping work regularly checks that we haven't started to depend on our work for our sense of value or for our salvation. Like the drinker who stops drinking regularly to check they haven't become alcoholic, so we need to stop working regularly to check we haven't become workaholic. And we do need to do that regularly, I think. I don't think that um, working flat out for weeks or months on end and then binging on rest has the same value. It's not laziness to stop work regularly. And our rest will be a sign to others that we depend on Jesus and not ourselves. Sadly, um, Christians can be very poor examples of stopping work and depending on Christ. Apparently you can get t-shirts that say, Jesus is coming back, look busy. But I wonder whether your friends and family, your workmates, can tell from the pattern of your life that you're depending on Jesus Christ for your salvation and not anything that you do. We're about to put up a banner on the corner of the churchyard um, for all the commuters to see as they go along the commercial road into the city. And we're putting on it that verse from Jesus, um, Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now I wonder whether someone coming along commercial road and seeing that notice board, if they turn in and come into the church car park and come in and get to know the fellowship here, whether they would say, yes, there's a family of gods who have turned their burdens over to Jesus. It's a challenge, isn't it? What does it mean to stop work? It means stopping anything that we might see as performance or achievement. Anything that I might do to earn satisfaction or get myself into God's good books. Very practically, it's an act of faith to go to bed at a sensible time rather than burning the midnight oil. It's an act of faith to sit down and read my Bible and pray when the demands of the day are crowding in on me. It's an act of faith uh, to go home at a reasonable time, to get out to home group on time, or to, to say, I'm gonna make church on Sunday, even though I've got a boss or a client who's demanding things. Um, some, some of our church family are in jobs where it's incredibly hard uh, and uh, you're expected to put in crazy hours. It may be an act of faith to say, I'm willing to work hard, but I do need to stop and rest regularly. We might just find that there are some jobs that it's just simply not possible for a Christian to do long-term and stay spiritually healthy. And it's an act of faith as a church to say no to doing good things, to stop doing good things, to stay healthy in what we are doing. But I don't just want to leave us with the challenge um, to say no to more things. The heart of the Sabbath is not about taking a day off each week. It's not at its core about pushing back sometimes in the demands made on us by others. 
Those are practical implications of the central liberating truth that God is the one who made us and who makes us holy and saves us through Jesus Christ on the cross. It is right and good for Christians to be busy, but as Tim Chester says in that book, we can be free from the drivenness that makes busyness a burden. We can be free from the drivenness that makes busyness a burden. We're freed by Jesus Christ bearing our burdens when he died in our place at the cross. So as usual, we'll have a chance to discuss in a few minutes. But for now, let's just take a moment of quiet to maybe just process some of those things. And I'm going to read those words of Jesus again. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Our Father, thank you that you have sent us your Son, our Saviour, who gladly bears our burdens. Forgive us, Father, when we heap burdens on ourselves or think of ourselves as indispensable, when we fail to stop and to depend on you. Father, give us so much wisdom, we pray, in working out for ourselves and helping one another and as a whole church in working out what we say yes to and what we say no to. Uphold us through necessarily busy times and we pray, our Father, that we'd establish healthy patterns of work and rest as a sign of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.